Upon special request by Bill, the topic of today's Stemma talk is on Samwega. Samwega meaning of a sense of urgency. Now, when we take a closer look at certain of these parties and a scriptural term, Samwega, then it gets translated in various ways, namely as agitation or as a fear, as anxiety or a thrill, a religious emotion caused by the contemplation of the miseries of this world. Another way of putting it certainly would be a spiritual urgency. Owing to certain circumstances, one feels stirred to practice. And certain things that certain might steer one to practice are things that we've discussed already at the very outset of this retreat, namely reasons that lead people to practice, like external triggers and possibly also internal triggers. Back then, we mentioned things like loss of a spouse, a relative, a spouse, partner, relative, close friend, or one's job. It could also be also be the breaking up of marriage or long-term relationship. It could be further a certain disillusionment with the material world, or it could be destruction in one way or another, destruction that comes in the form of a natural disaster or as a result of a war. And suddenly then it could be be that suddenly there has been one has been the victim of abuse or one is simply in one's work overworked or as the Buddha has put it in really simple but suddenly very true terms it could be that we're exposed to old age disease death, and then possibly seeing a monastic. Now, when it comes to near the internal triggers, we, have, we might certainly experience stress or you know, some tension, some fear, you know, sorrow, lamentation, the mind being very distracted, or it could be you know, that we're shocked over an outburst of you know, greed, an outburst of you know, ill will, or an outburst of you know, confusion. Or it could be that there's simply no sense of you know, direction in our you know, life. Or it certainly could certainly be that certainly we clearly see how things certainly keep changing all the time and certainly that there's really nothing to hold on to and this at first might then bring the unsatisfactoriness of life across. Or it could also be that we are the victim of discrimination. 
So in a broader sense, we can say that Samwegel, the sense of urgency, has certainly the power to move us in a positive direction. So away from the suffering, away from difficulties that we might be experiencing. One could also refer to, and Marcia Rose has used these certain words, as a movement of the heart, a response to inner and outer influences, and then uh, a movement towards a letting go, or uh, even a passion for spiritual practice. So these certain things mm, then mm, cause one to look in it and to reassess one's life, and certainly then you know, to you know, search something other, something other that seems more you know, meaningful. And when we you know, pursued you know, this certain search, let's say for purity or true happiness, mindfulness, concentration, intuitive wisdom, inner peace, harmony, compassion, and certain realization of the Dhamma, then this certain search can be referred to as, or has been referred to by the Buddha as a noble search, Ariya Pariyesana, in the Pali scriptural language. And you might certainly remember you know, the passage you know, that was quoted at the outset of you know, the retreat, namely, and what is this noble you know, search here? You know, someone being you know, oneself subject to birth, having understood the danger in what is subject to birth, one seeks the unborn supreme security from bondage, namely, Nibbana. And then, along the same line, the same thing goes for you know, being subject to aging, subject to sickness, and sudden death and sorrow, and so on. Now, in the question is, what or the question for you that might be what has moved you, you know, to engage in you know, spiritual practice? What were you know, the factors that certainly brought you here you know, to attend certain this certain one month retreat? Well, in you know, the case of Fatna Prince Satna Siddhartha, it, uh, while he was certainly uh, residing in Kapilawatu, which is certainly uh, not too far away uh, from uh, Lumbini, uh, in the south of uh, modern Nepal, it was seeing, being confronted with old age, disease, and certainly uh, death, and then and also seeing um, a dignified hermit that uh, then 
um, on the, upon the side of you know, these four you know, things, he was so strongly moved that certainly he gave up his royal, you know, luxurious life as a you know, prince. He left behind you know, his you know, wife, uh, Yasodra, and you know, the newly born you know, son, uh, Rahula. And he then went in search of Dhamma, in search of something that certainly would go, something that was beyond old age, birth, old age, disease, and certainly death. So, those were those four sites of old age, disease, and death. And then seeing a dignified hermit, those are referred to as the heavenly messengers. Now, During an intensive retreat, we might very clearly see our own shortcomings, how the mind engages in certain unwholesome, not very useful patterns again and again, and those patterns are in the end you know, to our disadvantage as well as you know, the disadvantage of you know, others. Now, there are a, a number of you know, shorter you know, discourses in the one you know, Samyutta of the Samyutta Nikaya, the discourse of, or the the collection of connected certain discourses, and certain discourses in the woods. Now, one of these, namely the 11th one, is certainly rather short, and certainly it goes as certainly follows. Allow me to quote the translation by Bhikkhu Bodhi. It's entitled Unwholesome Thoughts. On one occasion, a certain Bhikkhu was dwelling among the Gosalans. Um, in a certain woodland, woodland certainly thicket. Now, on that occasion, when that bhikkhu had gone for the day's abiding, he kept on thinking evil, unwholesome thoughts. That is, thoughts of sensuality, thoughts of ill will, and thoughts of harming. Then, the Devata, that inhabited that woodland certain thicket, having compassion for that bhikkhu, desiring his good, desiring to stir up a sense of urgency in him, approached him and addressed him in verse. And it's verse number 787. Because of attending carelessly, you, sir, are eaten by your thoughts. Having relinquished the careless way, you should reflect carefully. 
by having your thoughts, by basing your thoughts on the teacher, on Dhamma, Sangha, and your own virtues, you will surely attain to gladness and rapture and happiness as well. Then, when you are suffused with gladness, you'll make an end to suffering. Then that bhikkhu, stirred up by that devata, acquired a sense of urgency. Now, there's another uh, shorter discourse, which I will try to uh, uh, relate from memory. Namely, again, a certain bhikkhu was certainly dwelling in a certain woodland, certainly thicket in the land of the Gosalans. And actually, he was a prince of the Wajians who had become a bhikkhu. Now, he was dwelling in. Uh, he certainly forced, very eager you know, to meditate, but it so happened that uh, you know, there was an all-night festival going in nearby Wesali. And that, what do you think, helped his practice? <laughs> or made his practice difficult? Well, obviously, it made his practice quite certainly difficult. And so this bhikkhu then spoke to himself, in what a difficult situation I am, there's nothing I can do, I live alone here, out here in the woods, I feel like a log that is just lying there. And there's not, not much use to this life. And upon thinking such kind of thoughts, a certain Devata appeared and spoke to this bhikkhu and said, Dear sir, do remember that you have this great fortune of living in a woodland certain thicket and there are many people out there who actually envy you and this then aroused a sense of or aroused a sense of urgency some way in this bhikkhu and he was okay again and he dealt with the noise from that all-night Satna festival. Now, there's yet another verse, or another short discourse also in connection with Samwega, and it's quite inspiring. Again, I'll try to relate it from memory. Again, a certain bhikkhu was dwelling in a woodland thicket, in a certain woodland thicket, and practicing. Now, he went in the morning, he went on alms around, collected alms food, returned to his dwelling place in that woodland thicket, and then uh, having taken the meal, he then descended into a nearby pond. 
And it so happened that uh, there were some lotus flowers in that pond. One of them was a red lotus. So he descended into the pond, not to bathe, but rather to take a sniff at that red lotus flower. And he used to do like this every day after having finished his meal. One day, a devata that was dwelling in that woodland thicket thought, this might be a bit too much. I will try to remind this bhikkhu of his certain duties. And so, this certain certain devata, out of compassion, spoke to the bhikkhu. Thus, dear sir, dear bhikkhu, every day after having finished your meal, you descend into the pond and suddenly then you sniff at suddenly this red lotus. You are a thief of scent. You are a thief of fragrance. The bhikkhu was shocked hearing these words and felt suddenly wrongly accused. And he replied, well, I am not digging up this red lotus plant, nor am I damaging it, because if he were to do this, he would commit offenses according to the Winia. So why don't you, Devata, go and blame such a bhikkhu? All I'm doing is just sniffing at this red lotus from afar. What is wrong with this? And now upon this, the Devata goes, it is to oh, it is not to bhikkhus who are rough in their behavior and dig up an entire lotus certain plant or damage it that I speak. I speak to you who uh, is unblemished, who is of great virtue, keen on gaining liberation. Now, having heard those words, the bhikkhu was greatly touched by the devata's compassion and said, Dear Devata, in the future, should you see some other, should you see some deed, some behavior that is not certain proper, please do speak to me and remind me again. And then the Devata replied, do remember that I'm not your servant. I'm not uh, hired uh, by you. And so, so you should, as a bhikkhu, you should know best what your task is and certainly what you are shooting for. This whole exchange with the devata obviously then steered this bhikkhu into action and a great sense of urgency arose. Now, things that certainly stirred 
our bhikkhus from the time of the Buddha might also stir as Satna today. And there might also be other things that stir or that Satna arouse a sense of Satna urgency. Now, what happens is Satna that once this certain sense of urgency has arisen, it will lead to what? What is the natural consequence of this? Energy. There you go. The arising of Fertner energy. And this comes quite naturally. Now, for general knowledge, in the context of Fertner Samwega, Allow me to make a bit of an excursion, namely to the four places of pilgrimage. Now, in this regard, we find two very relevant passages from the Mahasatipatthana Sutta of the Diga Nikaya, the Long Discourses of the Buddha. There it says, O blessed one, and certainly this is Ananda who is speaking, formerly monks who had spent, monks and nuns who had spent the rains in various places, used to come to see the Tathagata. And we used to welcome them so that such well-trained monks might see you and pay their respects. But with the blessed ones passing, because this was coming up very soon, we shall no longer have a chance to do this. Now, this particular passage could be entitled Ananda's Lament. And it's extremely interesting from a pilgrimage point of view. It gives us a clue or a key that pilgrimage started not only after the Buddha's great passing away, namely, as we will hear in a moment, pilgrimage to the birthplace of the Buddha, the place where he gained enlightenment and so on, but rather, already before the passing of the Buddha, there was this tradition among you know, the disciples of the Buddha that having spent the rains in one place, they would then go and travel towards wherever the Buddha was residing and in order to pay respect and then hear Dhamma. So what we have here is an early monastic tradition of Fatna pilgrimage after the rain Satna retreat. Now, to Ananda's lament, the Blessed One then respond, responded by saying, Ananda, there are the four places the sight of which should arouse emotion in the faithful. The Pali term for this is Chattaro Samwejaniyani Tanani. 
and certain samvijaniyani is a place or antanani, tanani is places. So places that arouse a sense of urgency. Which are they? Here the Tathagata was born is the first. Here the Tathagata attained supreme enlightenment is the second. So the first one is Lumbini in present-day Nepal. The second one is Sapna Bodhgalya in present-day India. And then here the Tathagata set in motion the wheel of the Dhamma is the third, namely the deer park in Sarnad. And then lastly, here the Tathagata attained the Nibbana element without remainder is Satna the fourth. And Ananda, the faithful monks and nuns, male and female lay followers will visit those places. And any who die while making the pilgrimage to these shrines with a devout heart will, after the breaking up of the body, be reborn in a heavenly realm. So, this particular passage identifies four places, four major places for pilgrimage. Namely, the birthplace of the Buddha, the place where he gained enlightenment, the place where he spoke near the Dhamma for set in motion the wheel of Dhamma, and near the place where he passed away, entered Mahaparinibbana, namely Kushinagam. And some so this passage for you know, these four pilgrimage you know, places in Nepal and Satna India are there is extremely you know, valuable because they explain why pilgrims even today still visit Satna those Satna places. Now Since we're not talking about Samvega and in particular about ways of arousing Samvega, this would be one way, namely to undertake a, a, a pilgrimage to uh, one of these or all of these uh, sacred sites. However, you might find yourselves uh, in a dilemma. You happen to be in the midst of a one-month retreat here at the Forest Refuge. So now, what about going on pilgrimage? Mm, there is not only the physical pilgrimage, but certainly there's also you know, the pilgrimage just in the mind that mm, while one stays at home or while one is at a retreat center, one remembers, one reflects on those pilgrimage sites and their meaning their meaning in the life of the Buddha, the meaning in terms of the teachings and so on. And this, these kind of reflections might then help to arouse a sense of pilgrimage. Keep in mind that many, many centuries ago, especially 
Right after the Buddha's sudden passing away, pilgrims from far away places like maybe Korea or Japan or China, they had hardly any means and ways to see those pilgrimage places. So all that was left for them was indeed to do a pilgrimage just on a mental level. Now, in connection with effort, the mental factor of effort, virya, we find that one of its proximate causes is actually a sense of urgency. And another cause would be a ground for arousing energy. So anything that stirs one to vigorous action. Now, there are eight certain grounds that certain arouse a sense of urgency, as mentioned in the text. In the Diganikaya, its third volume, section 214, there's a short, short statement that says, being moved to a sense of urgency by what should move one and the systematic effort of one so moved. Now, this particular passage then finds certain some further explanations in the Visuddhimagga in paragraph 135, where it certainly says, how does one encourage the mind on an occasion when it should be encouraged? When, and it says that when one's mind is listless, owing to sluggishness in the exercise of understanding, or owing to failure to attain the bliss of peace, then one should stimulate it by reviewing the eight grounds for a sense of urgency. These are the four, namely birth, aging, sickness, and death, with the suffering of the states of loss as the fifth, and also the suffering in the past rooted in the round of rebirths, and then the suffering in the future rooted in the round of rebirths, and the suffering in the present rooted in the search for nutriment. And one creates confidence by recollecting the special qualities of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. This is how one encourages the mind on an occasion when it should be encouraged. Now, those eight grounds for a sense of urgency, the first birth, aging, sickness, and death, we've touched upon already to some extent. And then to reflect on the suffering of the states of loss, so that one might, if one is not practicing at all, or 
if one practices but doesn't reach a state of assur assurance, namely one does not gain the path of fitness, dream entry, sotapati maga, then one might still fall into a state of loss. One might end up being reborn as an animal or in some other form. Now, one could certainly further reflect on the suffering in the past that the past going through rounds of existence one round after another or the suffering in the future rooted again in samsara. So you just have to think of this particular aspect. Just to think of yourselves being reborn again as human beings, and then you have to spend how many months of your life as a toddler crawling around, and so then how long will it take you to learn to learn the standing and walking postures? And then just imagine if, you know, the time in nursery you know, and you know, then you know, just think of the many times that you, you, know, that you are in a position you can't speak properly yet and your parents are either not feeding you or feeding you too much. So all you have left is just crying, crying, shouting and yelling. And so... And then you know, just you know, think of yourself suddenly having to go through kindergarten, being beaten up by other you know, children. <laughs> Do you look forward to all of this? <laughs> and suddenly then, you know, finally you make it into, with some difficulties, you make it into elementary school, and, so, and then you have to go through all the dukkha of learning ABC, and so, you know, <laughs> learning to read, learning to write. So, and so... Uh, then uh, eventually you uh, get yourself uh, through uh, school, and then that's not it. Uh, you still uh, your family pushes you to university and uh, pushes you all the way up to a PhD. When is this ever going to finish? And so, uh, so uh, being reborn again and again might at first sight seem like rather fascinating to some, but upon closer reflection it might not necessarily be the case. And so then think of, let's say you get married and then you have children and then you wake up again and again during the night and you have to look after your, your newly born kids. So that certainly all of that is not so easy. So those kind of reflections, as well as certainly the reflections on the suffering in the present existence, going in search of food, so you have to earn a living, you have to have a job, and if you happen to be born, let's say, in a third world certain country, and then you manage to move to, let's say, a highly industrialized country, and you end up as a janitor in you know, some airport cleaning you know, you know, public restrooms, certainly then that might not be all that certainly fascinating.
So, what do you prefer? So, you you want to go on like this, uh, practicing casually, and uh, or do you feel stirred into uh, action uh, in your spiritual practice? No. It is in order to show connections in the in the context of the enlightenment factors or awakening factors that there is also mention of the balancing of certain enlightenment factors. Two groups of factors, each of three factors. The first group consists of the enlightenment factors of investigation of states, of effort, and of joy. Sorry, Dhammavijaya Sambhojanga and then Nyaviriya Sambhojanga and Pititna Sambhojanga. Those are the more active ones, the energizing ones. And then on the other hand, we have another set of Fatna 3, namely consisting of the enlightenment factor of tranquility, of concentration, and last one is equanimity. There you go. And so those are more the calming enlightenment factors. Now, the Visuddhimagga explains that, uh, or actually it's the Bojangatna Samyutta, uh, explains that those two groups, and the group of active enlightenment factors and the group of calming mental factors, need to be you know, um, implemented or need to be applied under certain circumstances, namely the first group of the more active mental enlightenment factors of investigation of states, effort, and certain joy should be cultivated and developed when the mind is sluggish, when the mind is a bit lethargic, linam chitam in the Pali scriptural language. But on the other hand, it might happen that the mind is a bit too elated. In other words, too much shatna joy is there, and too much shatna joy agitates the mind, and with an agitated mind, it's difficult to observe, you know, observe and know the true nature of an object. So, for the agitated mind, we need to cultivate and develop you know, the enlightenment factors of tranquility, concentration, and certain equanimity. Now, as suggested by the text, we might also reflect on one or the other um, virtue of the Buddha or the Dhamma or the Sangha. So we might reflect on um, the fact that the 
Dhamma indeed is well spoken in the beginning, well spoken in the middle, and well spoken in near the end. So in the beginning, you know, there's certain you know, mention of fitness sila, you know, leading a virtuous certain you know, life, and certainly you know, then you know, there's mention of uh, um, you know, developing you know, concentration, of uh, developing a more concentrated mind, and certainly you know, then in the end, you know, this certain you know, training in you know, dhamma will you know, lead us you know, to the development of intuitive wisdom eventually uh, liberating you know, wisdom. So in that sense you know, the Dhamma is good or well spoken in the beginning, in the middle and also in the end. And we might also you know, realize that this Dhamma is really um, giving good results. When we look at certain where you know, uh, where we were at, let's say you know, before you know, doing this certain you know, retreat, in you know, terms of our spiritual development, in terms of our virtue concentration, and certain wisdom, in terms of many other you know, wholesome you know, qualities, and certainly then in comparison you know, to this, we look at uh, where we are at uh, now. Then we might certainly see a big difference there, and we might rejoice certainly in this. And certainly that then might again you know, steer us you know, uh, or steer up you know, a sense of urgency to try even harder. Or you could also consider the consider and be grateful you know, for you know, the support you know, that you're receiving here at certain the certain center so all you are, all that is requested of you is really you know, to be apart from you know, the daily chores is certain you know, to be mindful from moment to moment to moment you know, to moment and so, you know, so just to think of you know, those many people who are not related to you in any way, you know, they you know, give breakfast donations, they give donations for lunch, you know, they, you know, they may have you know, given uh, a bill, you know, con you know, donation for construction, for maintenance, and so on and so forth. All the volunteers here at the center, all these people are not directly related to you, but you know, they want you, you know, to practice, they want you to you know, realize Satna the Dhamma and thus in appreciation for their you know, support, you know, try to you know, pay back you know, your gratitude to them with you know, good you know, practice, apply yourself you know, wholeheartedly and Satna you know, that then will be to your benefit and certainly later on also to others benefit. Now, during intensive 
effort and practice were likely to come across certain certain difficulties and it is then that certainly we need a strong sense of urgency and based on this also a strong effort. So difficulties certainly could be practical or very direct experiences such as a lot of itching sensations coming up or it could be plenty of physical and mental restlessness or movements of the body, pains and hardness, pressure, heat, and certainly then stiffness in the back, some chronic back pain, or having to deal with the five hindrances again and again, or you've built up your meditation already quite a bit, you've reached one of the higher insight knowledges, you're so glad that you've made it this far, and then you remember some unfortunate event from the past, and your practice does what? It takes a nosedive, and uh, you'll have to yeah, then build it up again. And certainly that at times may yeah, seem a bit daunting. Now, you have worked hard on developing those controlling faculties that we spoke of yesterday during the Dhamma talk, and you've developed those, but they still need to come into balance, and so to find the right balance might not always be that easy. So all of this takes certain effort, and the effort might certainly come naturally if it is grounded in a strong sense of urgency. And then you think of those many moments when you have to deal with the mind or the mind dozing off and then sleepiness is just about certain to arise so you have to label it firmly and then you're close to drowsiness again you need to make a bold effort or your sitting posture slumps again and again and again and again you have to straighten it or uh, think of uh, your uh, walking meditation. To do one hour, one complete hour of walking meditation actually does require quite a lot of uh, effort. So, if your effort is uh, well based or well grounded in a strong sense of urgency, then this can pull you through. Allow me to conclude today's Satna Dhamma talk by wishing may either the life of the Buddha himself and his virtues, the virtues of the Dhamma, or the virtues of the Sangha, or your own virtues arouse a sense of urgency, or you know, reflecting on you know, those certain four you know, pilgrimage certain sites that certain were mentioned, or reflecting on those eight certain grounds that certain cause a sense of urgency. 
And then being equipped with a strong you know, sense of urgency, having passion you know, for you know, the practice, for the spiritual practice, made your mindfulness, you know, then made the mindfulness based on the uh, continuous effort, made this mindfulness arise, become continuously, you know, or may become quite sustained, may be sustained, and that may lead on you know, to you know, the arising of concentration, may that you know, then get stronger and stronger, and certainly lead on you know, to the arising of intuitive wisdom and ultimately you know, to at least the liberating wisdom of you know, the first you know, noble path, namely that of stream entry. And may that happen during this very retreat here at the Forest Refuge in Barrie. And this is it for today. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.